What's up, everybody? You're on Money Moves, and I'm Michael Munsterman. In the first ever two-man podcast, my guest today is Doc Bates. How are you, Doc? Very well. Thanks for having me. Cool. So Doc and I are just going to be chatting about a bunch of different things. The truth is we have absolutely no idea where this is going to go, so it should be fun. None. Yeah. So, but that's interesting because um, what, like one of the jumping off points, one of the things that I found most fascinating about, about you when we first met was that the, the entertainment industry and, and singing and being successful in the game of music is an old hat for you. Uh, it's kind of, it's something that I did for many years and had a lot of fun doing it. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I always tell people I'm a certified has been because, you know, Anyone in the music industry, uh, I say anyone, but I would say 95% of people that get in the industry, you, you, as an artist, you pretty much have to figure out what you're going to do next because there is going to be a next. You know, the average ar artist's career is about five years. Oh, really? Yeah, well, look around. I mean, Look, go back five years and see who was on the top of the charts five years ago and where are they now. So what do you define an artist? Is that somebody who has the ability to sing and finds a stage? Or is that somebody who actually makes a living performing for others? I'm, I'm just talking about a recording artist, like your mm -hmm. Tim McGraws and your, you know. Doc Bates. <clears throat> Doc Bates. You know, people, people that, that write songs or perform songs and record songs. If you record songs, you're a recording artist. Phil's a recording artist. For sure. Yeah, yeah, no, Phil's really talented. So if you guys, I think I've told you this before, in the beginning of Money Moves, the the song that the grind, grind, it's all I know, that's 100% Phil. Yeah. Phil did all of it, wrote it. Yeah. Like, he's, I, I called him and I'm like, hey, I need something punchy. Here are some examples of what I like. This is the theme of what we're doing. It's called Money Moves. You know me. You know what I'm about. You know where my heart is. Like, just bring me something. And he brought me that, and I was like, dude, it's yeah. exactly what I was looking for. Yeah. I remember having this conversation with you uh, in the, talking about it. Right. And Phil, like, delivered exactly. So that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about an artist. is someone who who's, has the ability to record art. Right. You know, then you're an artist. Um, but most of the people in the – well, the world uh, – the consumers of entertainment, we have a very short attention span. And most television shows don't last more than, you know, three, four uh, seasons. And then, you know, the really good ones, maximum seven, eight seasons. You right. Know? And then very few. Like the unicorns, the right, friends, exactly. the Seinfelds. Right, those. The, yeah. the ones that go like 10 a to 15 years, you know. Um, and most of those are new shows. Things like that. So Phil and I, actually earlier we were talking about, um, and I'm trying to describe to people, we're trying to, we're hunting currently how to communicate with my core audience. That's this person that either owns a small business and they're struggling, they're trying to figure out how to grow and scale, mm -hmm. or, they're, or they are um, a, like a pre-entrepreneur, a futurepreneur. They're somebody that 
that they hear that little calling inside of them, but they've never actually created anything right. yet. Haven't answered that call. Right, exactly. So we were talking about this and Phil was really challenging me like, well, how does that headline reach an entrepreneur? How does that headline reach an entrepreneur? And I said, well, here's my question to you. Like if, because he was basically saying with like the first section is called the matrix and it's all about, it's, it's like this twisting and turning winding road of trying to recalibrate people's minds. Yeah. The way you think about business, the way you think about money, the way you think about time, the way you think about resources, it's all skewed and it's wrong. And if you could delete these stories that you have in your head and just let me paint like this new picture of, of a belief system for you, mm -hmm. you could scale. And so Phil's like really challenged me like, well, I don't even know if this first section is for entrepreneurs. And I, so I, I'm going to make this why I'm bringing this up right now. Okay. I said to Phil, I said, okay, well, take you as. Because I'm currently experiencing this. Right. Well, lots of people are. Yeah. And, and so the conversation, I said, so you're a musician, right? Right. Right. And you travel and you're in front of people, right, right? Yeah. And I said, so I want you to take whatever you made last year, whatever that number is as a musician, whatever your total income was from, and, and Phil makes money, like he's put in front of some pretty big crowds that pay him to go and speak and perform. Mm -hmm. And he creates music live on stage in front of people. It's super interesting. Yeah. I got to come see your shows. Wow. So, in, in fact, Phil, if, if like right now you want to plug your own Instagram account here in the video, right. you go ahead and do that. It's right here. The only Eames. It's, it's, no, he's, he's super talented. But I said, what if whatever amount of money you made last year, I said to you, that is not enough to qualify yourself as a musician. And what if I said you had to 10x that income before you could label yourself a musician in the marketplace, like what would that do? Well, it would set the bar so high that that people it would discourage a lot of the market. A, a big right, but what's the thing that separates that person that makes, let's say, seventy-five grand a year as a musician? What's the thing that separates that person from the person that makes seven hundred and fifty? That's a very good question. And what's your answer? So, so my <laughs> like, w what I think that it is is it's is it's the mental perception of how much money seventy five grand actually is. Like, if you take That's an entrepreneur fair, yeah. and you put them in the same thing, and and they think, wow, seventy five thousand dollars a year is a lot of money, and I and I'm in front of a crowd and I can call myself an artist, and here's what it is. But what if I told you that next year for you to label yourself as an artist, like I'm going to make you take it off all your social media platform, I'm going to make you take everything away, and I'm going to surround you with people who all they do is make 750. Like if you were the guy that made 750, you would be the lowest guy in the circle. It, like your mindset about success would change. Right. And your hustle would align with your mindset. That's my, like, that's my prediction. That's your prediction. That, well, I mean, it's, it's what I believe because I've seen that in with entrepreneurs. I've seen that. So now you've, you've played in the game of music. Yeah. Okay. So I, I get that the landscape of for artists now, and maybe you should, let's back up. Maybe, why don't you tell me like, cause you've hit me with some highlight reel stuff. Why don't you do that for everybody who's listening or watching? Why don't you talk about oh like top two or three or four, or even just your favorite moment that kind of showcases some pinnacle times for you because you were a big deal. And, and I don't want to just be... Well, that's nice of you to say. It's, it's, it's kind. Well, I mean, you've hung out with people that, like, I would get giddy and ask for their autograph. Oh, yeah. Well, um, the thing is, as, as an artist, 
um, <clears throat> I had the same thing, the same conversation with some other artists that, you know, a young, a young rock group that I worked with here in the Kansas City area. And I, I sat down with, with one of those guys and, and, and they said, you know, we really want to get to that next level. And I said, do you have any idea what level you're at now? And they really didn't get it, you know. And, uh, and what I'm trying to say is when you're an artist, you work so hard to get that next rung of the ladder. And, and you just hustle and hustle and hustle and hustle and hustle. And then you look around at some point and you go, wow, I haven't quite made it. I've got, you know, if I could just get to this next level, then I, I can say I made it. And the thing is, you never really get, it's a ladder that never ends. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's like an escalator. You articulated you, this really well for me one time at breakfast. We, so Doc and I get together often and we have coffee and we chat. And you talked about, if only I could open for this band and then right. you went on this like you yeah. literally stair-stepped all the way up to icon status yeah, and the reason that I, I i went through this progression and and talked about it in that way is because i've seen it so often in in the music business and so here i am i'm this this to answer your question before um i've been hustling and i'm talking 200 250 shows a year for five, six years. And I just feel like the low man on the totem pole. I mean, I just, I always had that feeling like I'm the opening act. I'm, I'm you know, I'm not quite where I want to be in my career or I, I haven't gotten, you know, I haven't had the, the record sales that I want or, or, you know, there's just a million little qualifications that we put upon ourselves that we never quite achieve, you know. And at some point, I looked around and <clears throat> walked out on this stage, and my fiance was next to me. She's now my wife for, of 20 years, Dawn. And um, we're, she was standing next to me, and I looked over to the left, and it said, do not touch. And there was a row of about a dozen guitars there. <laughs> and it just occurred to me that, I'm not allowed to touch any of Leonard Skinner's guitars. <laughs> and I just proceeded to touch them all right then. Then I looked at Don and I said, you're not allowed to touch them either. And at that point I went, okay, I can enjoy where I'm at, my level of success at this moment, because I'm about to step out on the stage opening for one of the biggest bands of all time. And I'm going to be in front of, okay, they hadn't all gotten there yet. It, the sun's still shining. Right. Out, it's an outdoor event. But come on. I'm about to step in stage, on stage in front of 50,000 people as far as the eye can see. And so that was one of those moments, like you said, a pinnacle moment in my career where I went, okay, maybe I have sort of made it at this point. And, um, and there were other ones. There were, there were many other points, but I think that was one of the, the coolest ones where I finally went, wow. So you said a couple things there. And what's interesting is I've got a lot of people that, that listen to the show, watch the show when we throw it up on YouTube. 
that are employees. Yeah. And some of them are business owners, some of them are artists, like a, a really eclectic group of people from the sure. best I can tell. Yeah. And, and what you talked about there, I think that you at first said escalator. Yeah. But it's not an escalator at all. And in, in fact, I would liken everything you just described to business as an entrepreneur because like instead of escalator, it's, it's a lot more like a stair stepper because you step and you step and you step, but the steps keep coming. Yeah. You can't get up. You can't get up. If you can't you get do, ahead. Then if you do get to the top of the steps, just wait a second. Lost. There's going to be a new step. Yeah. Like, but if you did ever get to the top, you would be lost. What would you do? What would you do with yourself? hundred percent. So many people get to that point and they're depressed. And they go, what am I doing? I'm, I'm, I, I'm in the depths. I'm more depressed than I've ever been in my life. And I got $50 million in the bank. Right. You know, those are, there are guys like that. Well, because they were never. So, and, and this was something that I experienced. And I'm curious to hear about your experience in this as well. And, and I think you're touching on it a little bit. But you, you talked about it there and we talked about it before. You set these benchmarks of if only I had this. Like there was a point where I thought, man, if I could just pay all my bills without worrying about having enough money to pay my bills. Yeah. And I got to that point and I thought, well, yeah, but if I could just have like, if I could just save $10,000 and then you save, it's like, yeah, but what's funny is you hit those parameters and then it's like, well, I got $10,000. That, that Breitling's been calling my name, like, <laughs> like, but, but there's never a ceiling. And, and to what you're saying, I think that the message in that is enjoy the journey. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because if you're not enjoying the journey, then you're wasting your time hitting benchmarks that aren't going to make you happy. There's, and there's no, and, and this is so true. And it's, I think it's the point that, that we can really just intertwine through all this conversation we're having at least right now and that is there absolutely is not pleasure in a finish line and 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 what i mean by that is i i i explain it like this i celebrate my victories but i never carry a victory over a sunset i don't ever want to wake up the next morning and let that victory be like the thing that brings me happiness and peace because it's so short-lived yeah. I can I, I can totally relate to that. Uh, I can't say that I've I've been that disciplined to have a victory and move on. I've reveled in my victories, you know, maybe even been guilty of reveling in my victories a little too long. Well, and, and so me too. I mean, I think that comes with it. It's just a like isn't the goal to to set these guidelines for yourself and to strive towards them? without beating yourself up if you hit it, if you don't, if you, you know? Well, um, you know, part of goal setting is, is hitting those, those benchmarks and those, those places, those goals. And I think that's important. There's, there's a place in it. There's a place for it in everyone's lives that's if they're gonna be successful. But <clears throat> we have to remember that without enjoying the journey, then the goal is meaningless when you get there. Because when you get there, if you don't have somewhere to go next, then you're depressed. Well, 100%. So when you set a goal for yourself, is it a goal, like, is it a line segment or is it a line? 
and, and what I mean by that is like a line segment has a defined beginning and a defined end, but a line is never ending. Like it goes right. in both directions it's forever, forever. And so one of the things that I try to get people to do is not just when they're setting a goal, isn't just, okay, so I'm going to set this one goal, this one little section. The conversation is how does this section fit into your line, the line of your life? Like, even though our lives here on earth, they're a segment, but some people are just like, okay, my goal is I want to get $10,000 in the bank. And I was guilty of this. There wasn't a, to what cause? What's the ultimate, like, how does, how is this part of a bigger construct that I'm trying to obtain? Yeah. What part of the picture is this? Right. And so when you set goals, do you find yourself setting like segment goals or, or is it towards a bigger, more elaborate plan of attack based on your, where you want to go? Definitely the latter. Um, I think there's, there's a, an overarching thing that I want to do. And then I break it down into little pieces that are more manageable, you know, cause things that we, a lot of the things that we do in life seem insurmountable. 100%. You know, uh, for me, uh, when I got out of the music business and I was, I, and it was, I, I won't go into it in great detail, but there was an injury and I was unable to perform and I had to, I, I hit a brick, brick wall in my career, in my life. And uh, it was a very hard time for me. And I had to sit down and figure out um, huge life goals and change them, you know, and, uh, and figure out how I was going to proceed with my life. Um, and, and it was, uh, one of the most difficult things I've ever done, but, um, I made the decision to go back to school and get an advanced degree and, uh, begin to, to pursue some things in the medical field, you know, and, um, it was, it seemed like it couldn't be done. As a matter of fact, I went to the school <clears throat> that I wanted to go to and I explained to them what I wanted to do and how fast I wanted to do it. And they laughed at me. Oh, really? Yeah. They, I, you've never told me that before. Oh, yeah. This, <clears throat> I said, well, I need to have to earn my bachelor's degree by this date. And then I need to earn my master's degree by this date. And the those dates were a year apart. <clears throat> oh wow! And the guy, the uh, the uh, guy I was talking to, the dean of the school, he literally looked at me and he laughed, and he said, and it, it wasn't like he was laughing at me. He was, it was more like a condescending. Um, you just don't understand what's involved here. You don't understand. It was like I didn't respect how much work that it was going to be, right? You know? And um, and maybe I didn't. And in a way, maybe that was a good thing. I don't know. But all I knew was this guy telling me that I couldn't do it made me want to do it a thousand times more. And you know what? I did it. Oh, that's awesome. I did. I did exactly what I said I was going to do. I. I, there was a couple of moments where I thought this could go either way. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, there were some dicey moments in there. And there was a, a one particular moment where 
there was this one class that I needed. And they said, well, that's it. You're going to have to wait till next year. You're not going to graduate without this class. Um, it's just not going to happen for you. And I said, well, <clears throat> we'll see about that. And I had to go to the dean of the psychology department with my hat in my hands and figure out how to do it. But, and I actually, I actually had them, they actually ended up substituting a course that they said that was required. They ended up substituting it for another course, which I was also told couldn't be done. But I found out <clears throat> that there actually is a way to do things most of the things that you can't think can't be done, and most of the things that people tell you can't be done, can be done. They just haven't been done yet. Right. No, that's good. Well, I don't know. But everything's, so one of the things that I really worked both of my daughters, like I drilled into their head, is you don't truly want something unless you ask three times. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah, because people are conditioned from the beginning to say, hey, look, um, no. Like, I've got this thing, and, and I really, like, I have this vision that I can accomplish, that I can, like, I know that I have the ability to do this thing, get, get my master's in one year after getting my bachelor's. Like, that's pretty unheard of. Yeah, it in, is. In, regardless of your, of your degree. Yeah. And so, that, but you go in with that mentality, like, he's geared. And he has, he's incentivized for that not to work. Right. I mean, they need tuition multiple years. Well, right, like, well, you, you still, it's not quite, you still have to pay for all, every hour that you take, but he was saying that people don't take that many hours in, people don't take over 20 hours a semester in grad school. It's right. just not done. And then he said, well, how are you making a living? And I said, oh, well, don't worry about that. I have a business that, that I'm doing on the side and, you know, that pays for all my bills and everything. And he said, well, how, how many hours a week do you work at that? And I said, oh, about 50. <laughs> and then he said, you're I, out of your mind. I would have laughed also probably. Right, it's not going to work. And, but it did work. That's awesome. Yeah, and that was 10 years ago. I've been practicing it, you know. And so one of the things that you and I really hit on that I think created a, a, a good bond for us and, a, and kind of a foundation for a friendship was you are extremely entrepreneurial. And also, Doc, you know, I'm like, I'm not just going to sit here and he's also just very, very intelligent, very articulate. Um, he's an author. Like you, so I'd like to talk about your book a little bit just because I think it's super fascinating. Yeah, we're going to get into that. Yeah, uh. let's just jump into it. So, Phil, um, you've already <laughs> done your little logo right up here in between us. So why don't we throw up here a picture of Doc's book? And uh, it's called You Are a Genius. It's really, like, I'm going to let you just kind of share oh, your man. inspiration behind that. And so that is part one of three of myself and Doc Bates just chatting. Check us out tomorrow for part two of three. And then, of course, the, the final third section the following day. So... I really think that you're going to find that the conversation gets very, very interesting. And we talk about some things that I think are super relevant. We talk more about business. We talk about creativity. We talk about genius and where that comes from. And I, I really genuinely think that you're going to get a ton of great value from this conversation. Look for more of the podcasts where I'm going to bring in some people who are in my inner circle, people that I talk to regularly, that I really appreciate their perspective and that I think that their perspective will add value to your life. 
We'll see you soon. Savvy.